Welcome to my podcast where I talk about all things related to money, mindset, finance, business, and investing. My name is Royston Kambabachi, qualified accountant with over 30 years' experience in finance and business. Coming from a very humble background, I have continuously challenged the assumptions and the expectations of what I'm capable of achieving for myself and others. Over the years, I've helped hundreds of entrepreneurs to decipher finance and to make more money and to run highly successful businesses. On this podcast, I will share with you tips, strategies, techniques, and tools that you can use to make more money, manage money better, and to maximize your success. Welcome to episode six of the Financial Intelligence Mindset Podcast. And I hope that you have listened to previous podcasts where I covered things like financial statements. And today I'll be covering uh, another financial statement. It is one that entrepreneurs tend to put a lot of uh, effort into in terms of managing it and sometimes understanding it, not actually realizing that every transaction that enters into this statement impacts other statements. Yeah. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about the P&L and then called the income statement or the profit and loss account. Or even in America, it's called the statement of income and gains. It has various names for meaning the same thing. I like to call it the profit or lost account. It's an account. Everything related to income and expenses is entered into a result uh, that's either a net profit or a net loss. But before I jump into the details of how the intricacies of how that actually works and also let me tell how it interrelates with other financial statements, let me just give you a little quiz today and just forgetting all these three right, I'll be sending you out uh, two ebooks that will help you to increase your bank balance, number one, and increase your profitability. Obviously, in this podcast, I will also be explaining the difference once more. Profit is not cash, and cash is not profit, vice versa. Let me give you these questions. You can email the answers to Roy, R-O-Y-M-M-E-D-U, code at UK. That's my money management education uh, website. So, Roy at M-M-E-D-U.co. That you can I'll be sending you a couple of uh, ebooks for free to help you increase your profitability and bank balance. So the first question: How do you go about calculating the profitability of your business products and services on a weekly basis? And number two is that why is it that you can be profitable and still run out of cash? And number three is what is your cash burn rate? B-U-R-N rate, R-A-T. Send answers to those to me and Roy at mmedu.co.uk and I'll be sending out some uh, free gifts for you that will help you take your business to the next level. So let's jump in on the PNL state. As I said uh, just now, it, it affects, you know, Every transaction, everything else about the transaction that happen on the PL statement, like sales, right? You make a sale, and that sale can either be in a cash sale or a credit sale. Opposite entry to the entry on the PL account goes into the balance sheet. If there is a cash sale, you will credit sales and you will debit bank account. That's a bookkeeping entry. If it's a credit sale, gain, you will still credit sales, and then you will debit debtor, the, the person who owes you the money. So in this case, you've made an entry in the PL, you also have to make an entry in the balance sheet. Yeah. Of course, if it's a cash, once it's cash, anything to do with money impacts the uh, cash flow statement as I covered in my previous uh, podcast. 
call the cash flow statement on how things uh, work in there. And obviously cash uh, from operations is a sale. I cash info from operations is mainly a sale. Cash outflow uh, from operations is mainly expenses. So let's talk about expenses. There are various types of expenses in here, whether it's paying staff, whether it's know, rent, whether it's whatever it might be. There's so much expenses. Even tax is one of the biggest expense. People don't see tax as an expense. I see tax as a big expense. Uh, expenses themselves can then be broken down into different types into like things like revenue expenditure and capital expenditure. Let me further. Revenue expenditure, I know it's to Hong Song's revenue, right? Is something that is used to normally to help you make revenue. Uh, but it's mainly a short-term expenditure and it goes into the P&L. Yeah, it's, it's something that doesn't, it doesn't involve buying an asset. You know, it does not involve like, uh, like a lot like the benefit is not long term the benefit of this expenditure is less than a year and even you might buy an asset right if that asset is going to last less than a year it's also really and truly a revenue expenditure and it should be expended into the PL account so again money is leaving your business if you buy it in cash your credit bank and you will debit the expenditure there's a number of bookkeeping entries that I can share with you as well like to increase an asset you debit to increase an expense, you debit to increase a liability, you credit to reduce a liability, you debit, and all this kind of stuff if you're interested in that. But I'm, I'm trying to keep this at a kind of a, a level whereby even someone who's already uh, advanced, someone who doesn't want to know anything about bookkeeping can really understand. And I'll be giving you some examples, uh, more advanced examples as, as I go into this. I just wanted to cover at the outset that every transaction, you know, whether it's expense or it's income, even investment income, ultimately affects your balance sheet. Because think about it, right? What gives you investment income, number one, is the assets, assets that you have. And that investment income, you may get the income and not actually get the cash. Because what happens here is that if the period for which the income is due to you has passed, you have to record it in your income statement as monies that due to you. Income due but not received. Now, income due but not received. Again, what you're going to do here now, you have to credit the PL statement because it's an income. And all income is shown as a credit in the PL statement. But because the income is not yet received, you have to then debit the balance sheet. Yes, as income due but not received. Of course, when the income is received in the balance sheet, you will then debit that income received account to uh, clear it down. So you will credit the income due received to clear it down and you will debit uh, the bank account. Let me just go over that again. If you have income due to you but not received, yeah, once something is due to you but not received, it's an asset to you. It's a debtor. It's like someone taking goods on credit. Yeah, and they basically in that case, you credit sales and you debit them. When they pay you, you then credit their account and then you debit the bank. Same thing with income you will not receive. Effectively, it's also a debtor. Someone owes you money and when they pay you the money, you will credit their account and you will debit uh, the bank account. However, the entry in the PL goes when it's incurred. And then this is a big thing in accounting called the accrual concept. We account for things when they when they incur. And one of the fundamental reasons why um, sometimes you can be showing something in the PL statement that actually impacts your profit, but in reality you haven't had the cash flow for it yet. It's something that to understand really and truly. That's why in business, 
it's better to actually do things in cash. Matter of fact, when you go to do your VAT return, sometimes the taxman asks you, are you operating on a cash basis or the accrual basis? Because it really impacts not just things like, you know, your cash flow, but also impacts, you know, your profitability. It also impacts, you know, your VAT return as well. Okay, that's some of the very, very, very basic stuff to do with the PL, right? Um now when you look at the PL, the top part of the PL, because we call it the top line is always revenue. Top line is revenue, right? And just below the top line, once you have revenue. Any cost that is directly associated with the revenue, we call it the COGS, C-O-G-S, which is the cost of the goods sold. Even if it's a, a product or a service, there will be a cost that's directly related to that good uh, or service, and we call it the COGS. Or if you don't have any, for example, materials or any labor directly related to your service, say so you're just doing marketing, and then you all that, that's all you have is a marketing cost for your services, that's called the CPA, cost per acquisition. is the cost that you're going to pay to acquire a customer. What you need to do is to, sub, is to take away that from the sale to get the, the gross profit. So the gross profit is quite an important number because depending on your sale price, depending on the price that you're charging for your products and service, it impacts your gross profit and also impacts your margin. Yeah, And margin here is basically understanding the difference between uh, the sales price and the cost per unit per sale divided by the sales. It's kind of a ratio that turns into a percentage when you multiply by 100. So margin is quite important because the bigger your margin, the bigger your gross profit and the bigger the contribution is to your net profit. That's why you have to get your price right. Now, the other, the other thing that actually impacts your, uh, your gross profit is also the cost of the sale. That's why... These days, I focus a lot of marketing as well because a lot of people are doing services and they're not getting their marketing right. They're spending a lot of money on marketing and not getting the right customers. So I've even uh, opened a, a marketing agency recently and actually I'll help my clients to really target their customers better, you know, to understand the target avatar and to understand, to track the marketing expense because it's so important. When you're spending money on marketing, you really want to get the returns, Right. I can talk about that uh, in a future episodes all to do with marketing. What I'm saying here is that if you're a service business and you're paying out costs for marketing, it's very important that you understand that the higher the marketing cost per customer acquisition, the lower your gross profit. And if you're in manufacturing or you, I don't know, whatever you do, and you run a barber shop or yeah, barber shop is obviously a service. But if you're in manufacturing, Say, for example, you're selling, I don't know, beds and sofas. And the cost that you pay to acquire the beds and sofas is basically called the cogs, basically. It's the cost of the goods sold, right? There might be some labor direct directly attached to that as well. So normally when you're going to like manufacturing accounts, there's still like direct labor and direct materials costs. And those um, are basically part of, of the COGS, cost of goods sold, and those are subtracted from the cost price to get you the gross profit. That's enough on that, yeah? And you can have other intricacies to do with sales, like people like, you You might have a discount, you have to open the discount account, or you might even have people actually buy something from you and then they return it back to you. You know, they have return inwards, return outwards. I'm not going to go into those detailed stuff right now. There's a lot of bookkeeping entries going on there. But look, let me give you a story of when I used to work in insurance uh, back in, well, I started in insurance in 2001. As most people know, I spent 19 years working financial services across insurance, asset management and banking. 
So I understand how banking accounting work. I understand how uh, asset management uh, works. I understand how insurance accounting works. I guess some people say I'm privileged. I just say I'm a hard worker and I put myself out there, applied myself very much. Now, this example is one to do directly with insurance and setting reserves. Now, reserves are it's an estimate that's put aside for future losses, future claims. It's called, uh, one of the big reserves that we have is called IBNR, incurred but not reported. It's where something has happened. It's a claim has happened, but you haven't told the insurance company all the details yet. So the insurance company doesn't exactly know what it, what the exact value uh, is going to be to them and therefore what exact loss they might incur because of this claim. However, what the actuarial department do in conjunction with the finance department, people like myself, is that we set reserve. We set a certain amount that can then be used to pay this claim. Now, why am I telling you all this? I'm telling you all this because it can happen to you as well in your business, but not necessarily claims. I'll come back to you just now and show you how that applies to do when you do things like um, bad debt provision. But in the case of the IBNR, you put up this uh, reserve and immediately, if you have a new reserve, what that does, to be quite honest, is that it impacts your balance sheet and it impacts your PNL. Um, not necessarily the new reserve itself that actually impacts the PNL because what might happen here is that you may create the reserve and you create a kind of an estimated claims payout, right? Which could itself, you know, could be a liability account against a reserve account that can work. But when you have a change in the reserve, for example, when you reestablish, okay, right, this reserve is, is, is worse or better than we thought that change in reserve impacts your PL. For example, if the claim is worse than you thought, even if you recorded an initial uh, reserve on the balance sheet and on the PL, the increase in the reserve also impacts the PL. So I'm trying to say to you here that the PL is not just pure income and expenses. Reserves and putting aside money for unexpected losses also impacts the PNL. Let me explain to you now from a, a layman perspective. You just have a business, yeah, customers buy from you on credit, therefore they don't pay you at the same time. What that means is that some of them may not even pay you. And when you come to do your account at the year end, you have to set aside something called a bad debts provision. Put aside some money in case they don't you and what you're effectively doing is setting up um, a reserve on your balance sheet how this reserve work is that debtors are people who owe you money debtors are assets okay what you will have to then do is to credit the debtors account to reduce the amount that they might pay you yeah and then you set up a reserve yeah a reserve here means a bad debt provision effectively the bad debt provision is a credit as a, is a kind of credit account but what you also do is to debit the PL. you debit the profit and loss account with the expected amount of bad debts that might happen and again if afterwards some of the people who you thought wasn't going to pay you then pay you it then obviously reduces the bad debt provision yeah called almost like debt recovery uh, if that buffers you if you're trying to understand how do I allocate money so people who don't pay me, all that kind of stuff. I guess you have an accountant and I guess he helps you with this. I'm a qualified accountant with over 20 years, uh, post-qualified experience, but I'm putting all my knowledge out there. My knowledge is so detailed and so 
widespread that I can't actually break down everything at a very layman terms. You know what I mean? It will take me hours and hours and hours. But I hope you understand the example with the bad debts right there, right? So for me, what's quite important is that when you are running your business, yeah, whether you are the owner, whether you are sales manager, whether you're a purchasing manager, you have to understand a bit of financial intelligence. Understand how when you make decisions, uh, impacts your business financial position or your business uh, balance sheet strength or your business profitability. So for example, even if you're a salesman, the quality of the people that you choose to actually sell the products and services will significantly impact uh, the potential of them to pay you the full amount or stay uh, for the contract period. That's why most businesses, what they do, people that give you contract, let's say it's a phone company or, I don't know, it's a car dealership or whatever it might be, uh, whether you're buying your washing machine on credit, they do a credit check. They want to make sure the people they're dealing with are of a good standing. Unfortunately, many small business owners, they sell people goods on credit and they don't do a credit check. And therefore, they end up having to write off debts, as I was explaining to you earlier. Now, this is something that's really, really not good. Now, the whole concept of going to business and of taking any risk, like putting your money at risk or even borrowing money, which is already risky in itself to grow a business, is to get a return. It's called the risk-return theory. And the higher your risk, higher return. That's why, for example, if people are buying goods from you on credit and not paying you right now, you should be charging them more. Literally, you should be bumping up the price and charging them more because the risk is higher. Yeah, and similarly, uh, in your business, if you are putting your money to do a business that's pretty risky in terms of just the products and services that you're doing, let's say, for example, you, I don't know, dealing with rooftops, you know, you're going to uh, climb roofs, you have mineral roofs, etc. then you have a higher insurance expense, right? And because the insurance expense is there, that obviously impacts your profitability, Therefore, it's a higher risk to get just to get a return. If you have a big claim from someone, um, either the roof, you fix the roof and the roof is leaking or either a staff fell off the roof, then all these things can impact your profitability and it's important then to put your price up, have an appropriate price. You obviously want to protect your profitability, as I said here, by having some insurance uh, in place. So running a business is not just let me set up a business. Let me run a business. Let me start selling goods and services. You have to think about all these aspects. Ultimately, you need to make a profit. In my estimation, you dare to make money. And how do you make money? You make money by giving significant more value than people are paying for you, than paying for your products and services. And I call that value for money. But to understand that more, understand if your products and services are of great value, something called value proposition. And this is something I cover uh, with my clients. The clients who work with me, I focus a lot on their value proposition, on value creation, on if their products and services are value for money, because all these things help to drive profitability. Let me give you the next example. When you come to borrow money, it's a key decision how you borrow the money, where you borrow the money from, what's the interest rate you have, because that significantly impacts your profitability. Yes, because there's an interest charge on the loan or interest charge on debt. And that interest charge is an expense. And that expense can then impact your uh, profitability. So borrowing a loan is not just, bam, I want some money. Let me just get some money in, bam. Okay, let me just 
you know, credit the credit to debit the bank. Now I have a loan in. I start to spend the loan on whatever I want to spend the loan on. No, there'll be a charge. There'll be a loan charge. And the loan charge is quite important because it impacts your uh, profitability. So it's important that when you're making decisions in business, you are financially intelligent. You understand the impact of decisions on your business. Yeah. So everyone involved in running a business, as I said earlier, should be able to make better decisions. You know, should we just step back and look at the bigger picture and understand how this decision will impact the financials. Yes, and doing that will lead to a stronger company. So just to recap, profit is important and cash is important. You need both, but they're not the same. Because I mentioned earlier, you could be having a lot of sales in your business and if you don't collect the money at the same time, effectively, if you have big sales and small expenses, you're showing yourself here a profit because you haven't collected the money yet, therefore you haven't got the cash in, right? You, you can be cash strapped, yeah? Um, and next thing here is that you can have um, a lot of cash that you had initially. You even had um, some profits as well, which is all good. But then you decide to go and buy a new piece of machine or you decide to buy an asset or you invest a big portion of your money in investment, which obviously will give you an income in the future. But in the meantime, you've just, you just use a lot of your cash and you haven't got enough money to even last the next few months. That's why I asked the question at the outset, what is, called, what is your cash burn rate? Something that you need to know in your business, your cash burn rate. Hopefully, I've just also explained why profit is not cash for you. Um, now, how do you measure profitability in your business? Clearly, you have to have the right systems and the right processes. And you have to really track your transactions. You have to record the transactions at the outset. And you can use tools like, like QuickBooks or Sage or Xero. You can use spreadsheets. I don't favor using spreadsheets. Although one of my clients, um, she went to cleaning business, a cleaning agency. She's got about 20 staff and I've just designed, I just designed for her actually a spreadsheet as well to use to monitor everything, you know, from income, expenses, uh, which people should work for, everything, because I'm good like that, right? I can design spreadsheets to work like that. Basically, it's called like a client staff tracking matrix, you know what I mean? The spreadsheets are good, but if your business is simple, just use QuickBooks, pass everything to the bank account, link your bank account to your QuickBooks account, and you can, you can instantly get PL and balance sheet right away, daily. Literally, you can do that, yeah? Because effectively, you have to understand that not all cash items impact the balance sheet. But however, if you are tracking your cash book, say through a tool like QuickBooks or Zero or Sage, you can basically see your cash balance from a business perspective on a daily basis. Now, sometimes there's not in, you can show cash that's in the, in the business but not in the bank. That's just a whole different topic. It's called timing differences. I might cover bank reconciliation as a whole next topic and another time. But one of the things you have to understand as well that there are some non-cash flow expenses. For example, when you buy this machinery now and you then have to uh, depreciate the machinery, Again, you're, you're depreciating, you basically you're writing off a portion of the cost of the machinery and you that, that impacts your profits, but it's not a cash flow. Yeah, so let me break this down for you. You bought a machine for £10,000 over 10 years, say my depreciated £1,000 per year. Therefore, when you come to do your books and records at the end of the year, 
there's some depreciation. Okay, you will not, you may not hold this machinery at cost value. You may hold machinery as something called the value. That's a whole different topic. It's called balance sheet and asset recognition. But what I'm trying to show you here is that the depreciation aspects of it impacts your PL statement. Again, taxation. You know, so you'll be running your business for a while, you come to the end of the year, you made some profits, you have to put aside some money for taxation. Now, put aside this money means that you now have to enter uh, a debit, you know, balance in the PL as an expense, and you also have to credit a liability, set up a liability on your balance sheet. Okay, that tax will impact your profit after tax number. Yeah, it's called a PAT, P-A-T. So with a big taxation uh, number, it can impact your profit after tax number and therefore uh, kind of what's some, what money is available for dividends. Because on the panel as well, you have you also have to put the income, the expenses, get the, get the net profit, calculate the taxation, and then you have to then get what's called a profit to tax and then work on the dividends. Are you going to pay the shareholders, the owners? If you're not going to pay them, you can then reinvest that money back into the business. So what I want to talk to you about here now is that the residue of the net profit that, re, that, that ends up in the payment statement goes into the balance sheet. And that's why if you analyze three-year balance sheet back-to-back, -back, it can tell you how profitable the business has been over the years. So I'm saying here that just by analyzing your balance sheet for three consecutive years, it can tell you how much profits the business has been making. Yes, because the reserves um, from the PNL each year goes into the balance sheet. As a matter of fact, the PNL statement each year is wiped clean. A PNL is for a period. It's only from uh, one period to the next and it's wiped clean. It's only for one year. A balance sheet is cumulative. And why is it cumulative? Because when you come to do your year end or your month end close, uh, the balance from the PL rolls into the balance sheet. Again, I can go into this for days. Now, what we do in banking, for example, in banking, they have a daily PL account, a daily profit loss account. Effectively, what they do in some of the units like I don't know, different products, for example, they want on a daily basis is this product making profit? And how can you influence the profits? And I think many business owners should be running their business on the same basis. You should be knowing the profitability in every product or service. I wouldn't say it's on a daily basis, but preferably on a weekly basis, definitely on a monthly basis. You should be doing something called management accounts. You have budgets, and then you do the actuals, and you do the variance analysis, and you understand exactly why you're not making profits, etc. Um, so here I'm talking about some of the advanced stuff that an accountant or a content firm might be doing for you, or even in-house. You can have your own staff do that for you. If you want to help with any of those things, do reach out to me, Roy at mmedu.co.uk. I can help you set up your in-house finance function. And also, you can also outsource some work to us as well. Uh, we've got a couple of accountancy firms between me and my business partner. And we can really help you to take your business to the next level. So look, the income statement, as I said earlier, has a number of taxations in it as well. It's in the employee taxation. Um, one of the ways you can actually... Uh, influence your profitability is to have a pension because pension uh, even though you put money aside uh choose say a self-invested pension fund a sip what that does actually the amount of money you put into the sip every month is basically or every year it's an expense it's an expense that reduces uh your profitability but however that money then is going into an asset 
It's one of the cleverest way I know how to reduce your tax profitability and at the same time invest tax-free and grow your money tax-free. Again, reach out to me if you're looking for ways uh, to invest your money tax-free. Now, again, a big thing here is that if you don't do in a traditional business, if you're just doing like an investment business, we have a property business, clearly the biggest expense might be, you know, the cost for getting the, the, I mean, the client. Or if you like, if you do flips, you might be buying the business, which is a bit of capital expenditure. And then you have to go and fix the property up, which has some revenue expenditure. And eventually you might be cash strapped, no money. But then effectively, you will then flip the business and you have a big sale, and on that sale, you amount some taxation called capital gains as well. That's a tax, right? But effectively, you can do that. You then be cash rich once more, and you can continue doing the same thing over and over. Now, if you're just running, a, if you're just a property guy, you're just doing leases or rent to rent deals. Your biggest expenditure again might be, well, obviously getting there, there's no mortgage if you're doing a rent to rent deal. But then you might have to do some uh, marketing to get the clients in. That, that's actually an expense. Then you may have to do some agency fee. If, if you have to pay an agent, pay, pay a cleaners or whatever it is, if it's a service accommodation. There may be a number of expenditures associated with this. Obviously, the big income is getting the income from the tenants, right? And because you're doing a, a rent-to-rent business or in a property business, you cannot really put uh, the properties onto your balance sheet because the properties are actually on the landlord's balance sheet. You're just like the, the, the agent. But you might still have some assets, like, for example, your bank balance, yes? And again, you can be doing things like um, allocation or reserves in case people does not pay you any money, right? Now, if you buying the properties and you're renting them out, you will then have a mortgage expense, and the, more, the biggest expense might be the interest charge on the mortgage. Um, in years ago, we used to be able to offset uh, the interest mortgage uh, from the profitability, or we were able to um, uh, basically offset that from the amount of money that is taxable these days. They've almost wiped that out completely. So now what you do is that you pay your taxation on the gross amount. Yes, obviously less than the necessary expense related to the property but not the mortgage interest. The guys who are doing properties and stuff will understand what this means. So I'm trying to give you different flavors of how you can have a PL and a balance sheet for any kind of business, a car dealership, a tradesman, a builder, you know, and everything you have to understand which items impact your PL and which items impact your balance sheet. What I like to say to people is that if you're looking to expand and grow your business, then you should not be taking a lot of money out of the business to pay yourself as dividends, you should be reinvesting the money. And there are cash and there are tax-efficient ways of reinvesting your money as well. You can contact me again, and I'll be giving you some strategies of how you can, well, number one, increase your profitability and pay less taxes. But uh, even if you have a big amount of profit and you want to reinvest the money, there are even clever ways to reinvest the money as well. You know how your company is structured. Yeah, so there's a number of things here. Accounting and finances is something that every businessman should really understand how can make better decisions to impact um, their business, okay? So hopefully I gave you a bit of a flavor today in terms of uh, different things that you can cover on your PL and on your balance sheet that can really help you to increase your profitability. Um, look, there's so much I can go into. I haven't gone into things like, you know, giving incentives, you know, for people to pay you quicker. That obviously, in fact, impacts your profitability. I haven't gone into many, many of the details I could go into. I might 
might cover more of that in the previous, uh, sorry, in, a, in the next podcast. But that kind of um, concludes uh, my initial talk on uh, the financial statements and how they all interrelate. Uh, join me on, on future episodes. We'll be covering uh, more details. I think next episode I will dive down into investing, asset protection, and all that kind of stuff. Look, until then, take care. Be good to yourself. Thank you very much for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. You can find out more about me by Googling my name, Royston Cumberbatch. I'm on all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can find me on YouTube as Roy Cumberbatch. And if you are listening on YouTube, please hit that uh, subscribe button. Or you can find me on my website at www.racmac.com. That's R A C macs.com. It'd be great to hear from you and do feel free to tell me about any topics you want me to cover on future episodes. Until next time, be good to yourself and others, keep positive and reaching for your financial goals. Bye-bye.